Hello and welcome to the Movie Podcast. My name is Anthony. Thank you all for joining us for today's episode. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Daniel and Shay. How are you guys? We're good. doing so good. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited that I'm still in quarantine and that the coronavirus is still a thing. Like, this is just amazing. Like, who doesn't like movies being delayed? Let's just say that. As a movie mean, podcast goes, <laughs> why not delay something further? And do we have delays for you? We have oh, a bit of delays. Oh, boy, do we have delays. Yeah. That's all uh, the episode is, actually. <laughs> I wish we were joking, but uh, I remember a couple weeks ago, either last week or seven years ago, it's however long this quarantine's been. Uh, I remember I was saying to you guys, I'm like, now that these movies ha- are like, uh, man, what was the movie that got delayed? Whatever movie got kind of pushed, now it's like it's going to be a chain reaction of everything else. Was and it No Time boy, to Die? Yeah, it was James Bond. Yeah, so I remember we said that like in April when it got pushed, but there was something <laughs> like last week or two weeks ago oh, that okay. kind of got moved around, and like I'm like now that this is happening, or now that Tenet sorry is like I think off the schedule, everything's going to start getting shifted, and then the domino dropped this week, and it just felt like every other minute. It, it, felt studio, like, <clears throat> it felt like it felt like actually a little bomb. Everything. Yeah, it felt like a tiny little bomb that exploded right on our faces. Yeah, so we knew this was coming. <laughs> We're going to talk about all of that, but uh, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm treating this as March 136. Good. So, oh, it's March 137 yeah. for me. So maybe check oh, the calendar wow. again. Uh, maybe, man. It's all it's all blurred together. It's a lousy March weather. As always, you can catch a new episode of the Movie Podcast every Monday across our all your favorite podcast services. If you want to be part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, and corrections, head over to thistimewith.com. And also, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are looking forward to those reviews. They help us a lot. Um, if you want to catch up on our past episodes, you can check out our commentaries on Game Night, Sicario, and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man which are all in the movie podcast feed. You can also catch up with our Black Lives Matter episode, our Zack Snyder Justice League Snyder Cut coming to HBO Max in 2021, and our interview with Kevin Lima, director of a goofy movie, Tarzan, and Enchanted, and more. And if you're a fan of The Last of Us Part Two, we have our spoiler cast featuring Matt Rohrbeck of the Untitled Movie Podcast and Nate Shelton of the Geek-Centric Podcast, in which we break down the complexity of this outstanding game. I can't believe that this game is a month over a month old now. Like I it felt like the lead up to this game was so long and then we've had it, we've played it, we've beaten it. Anthony, you've beaten it twice now pretty much. Yeah. And we're just I just I'm so happy that we had uh, Nate and Matt's uh with us to talk about it cuz I think that was one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Mm-hmm. And we had such an amazing conversation kind of diving deep into everything into that game. So if you've just beaten The Last of Us Part Two, um, or you haven't heard of our episode yet, definitely check it out. It's definitely worth listening to, and it's awesome. Don't miss it. It's a very timeless episode, and I think that what's great about it is if you were curious about the controversy that's happening with that game at all or whatever occurred around the events of that game, this is a great podcast to listen to. And, and my only regret about that episode is we didn't go for four to five 
more hours on top of what we already yeah, did. Seriously. Because there's just so much more to talk about. But at the end of the day, like that conversation that we had uh, with those guys was phenomenal. And I hope to have them back on the show soon. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, before we move on to news, we have some sad news to report. And I thought this week was going to be, you know, the one week where we didn't have to report any sad news. But um, Regis Fieldman, legendary TV host, dies at 88. This is coming from Laura Hefner of Variety. So Regis Fieldman, the ubiquitous TV host, best known for his long run on the syndicated morning talk show Live and ABC's primetime hit game show, who wants to be a millionaire, died of natural causes on Friday night. He was 88. His family and friends are forever grateful for the time we got to spend with him, for his warmth, his legendary sense of humor, and his singular ability to make every day into something worth talking about. We thank his fans and admirers for their incredible support over the 60-year career and ask for privacy as we mourn his loss. The Filman family said in a statement, Filman began his career when TV was barely in his teenage years. He wound up serving as a turn-of-the-century bridge for viewers to TV's new world of enduring unscripted franchises on network primetime TV, as well as the trend of programs based on international formats. He also holds the Guinness Book of World Records, which I didn't even know about, by holding uh, 16,740 hours on U.S. television. That's crazy. So he, he was on TV for about 16,740 hours. I don't even know how to break that down into days and weeks and, and months. That's like, that's like 700 days worth of being on TV straight. Yeah. He reached his Guinness milestone in 2004 with more than 15,100 hours on TV. So I didn't even know that about Regis, but um, yeah, another sad loss, another week of, 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 um, of, I don't want to say death, but another week of just sadness. Um, yeah. My, my, my introduction to Regis was every time I would call in, not call in, but I would be sick when <laughs> to school. Were you the phone a friend? <laughs> Whenever I was sick for school um, or when I was in school and I was, I was sick, I would you know, go to my grandmother's house and she would watch, you know, live with uh, Regis and um, what was the other one? Not Kelly. Kelly? Was it? Not there, Kathy. there was another one, yeah. Kathy. Yeah. So that was kind of like my introduction to Regis. And he was always there. He was like that. He was interesting. He was funny. He He interviewed so many different celebrities throughout the years. And then he became one of the biggest hosts of of television with who wants to be a millionaire. And that's again, where he became kind of like rejuvenated his career in a sense where he became, you know, primetime uh, TV host for a, a really, really like phenomenon um, of a show. What about you guys when it came, when it comes to Regis, what do you, what do you, what's, what stories or history do you have of him? I think um, if you don't mind me going first, Shay. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, like, like with you, Anthony, like live with Regis. And I guess when I was younger, it was Regis and Kelly, Kelly Ripa. Um, my sister and I used to back in the day during the summers have like alternate TV hours, just because again, back in the day, it's, we had one TV in the house. So I remember from like nine to 10 o'clock, that was her. And she loved watching that show because like they'd have musical guests and they'd have celebrities and stuff like that on it. 
And I just remember watching that show all the time with her. And that's my exposure to a lot of uh, like celebrities at the time too, seeing them come in, talk about their movies, things like that. And I just, uh, I loved watching that show with them just because like, that was my, that was my introduction into kind of the world of like broadcasting and TV, which I went to go study at school afterwards too. Uh, But I also loved Regis on who wants to be a millionaire. Like that was, like that was a huge show that I think really came out in such a impactful time of television and culture that it was a show that everybody watched. It was like American Idol in the sense where if you weren't watching that on TV, what what else were you watching that night? So mm-hmm. Millionaire was, was a gr- big show. I, I was telling Anthony before we started recording that I remember I got this like Tiger Electronics, like handheld version of the game back in the day. And I used to play that thing all the time. And it used to bother me that the voice in the game was, it was just a Regis sound alike. So he would Aww. say things and not sound like Regis, but you could tell that they were trying to sound like Regis. But uh, yeah, like Regis is one of those, like this, he's legendary, you know, like with people like that, you, with these celebrities, you kind of like invite them into your home in a sense where they're, they're part of your family. Like you're watching them at these set times every day. So it's like, it's like a, like they're part of your extended family in a sense. And it's always sad when you see them and go, but it was also nice to know that he's lived a long life. He has such an amazing legacy to leave behind and his death was from natural causes. So mm-hmm. um, we wish his family all the best, but man, what a, what a legacy to be leaving behind. Yeah, it was, it was quite shocking. I mean, it, with Regis, you, you kind of just assume he's just there and always okay. Uh I know with with who wants to be, be a millionaire. It was a it was a very religious show for my family. Every night that it was on, we would we would all gather around and watch it. It was that and Survivor. That was like the early two thousands golden age of television, like you were talking about, Daniel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the two shows that we'd watch. And Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was so great that I remember for one of my birthdays, I got a board game version of it uh, right before we went to like a cottage. Cause they obviously didn't have any internet or TV up there. So we just spent the whole time playing the board game version of who wants to be a millionaire. And it was so convoluted, like how you increase oh, the course. money. And I was like, well, this, <laughs> this, it's a simple question and answer game. Like it doesn't need to be this difficult, but for some reason it was, um, but man, it's a sad one. I mean, my, my, to my family, they were just kind of just shocked. They were all, I mean, I guess and it's funny because everyone's first reaction was, was it COVID? And I'm like, thankfully not. It was, you know, he went, he went in it in peace. So, yeah. Man, sad, sad news. Um, let's move on to the news. We're not going to do the do-do-do. And we're going to just head into our first um, order of business. First sad news again. Well, yeah, this is like this whole podcast is just sad news pretty much. So first order of business, Christopher Nolan's tenant delays August release. This is coming from Rebecca Rubin of Variety. Re- Warner Brothers has removed Tenant from its release calendar, delivering a big blow on the exhibition industry at a time when movie theaters had hoped to peg the reopening to the late summer debut of Christopher Nolan's sci-fi thriller. We share a new 2020 release date imminently for Tenant, Christopher Nolan, wholly original and mind-blowing feature. Our goals throughout this process have been to ensure the highest odds of success for our film films while also being ready to support our theater partners with new content as soon as they could safely open. Mm-hmm. We're not treating Tenet like a traditional global dated date release. 
and our upcoming marketing and distribution plans will reflect that, said Warner Brothers chairman Toby Emmerich in a statement. So Shay, tell me, what do you think? How did you did you have this idea? I think you brought up this idea that Tenet was going not to be released this year. And I think it kind of trickled to me and Daniel as, yeah, I believe that's gonna be the case. <laughs> but um let's start off with Shay. What do you what do you think about this announcement? Again, this isn't a, a big surprise here. Um, I think the whole world is just kind of watching Tenet as like that marker of when it's safe to open theaters. Almost every studio is like, okay, if Tenet goes, okay, then we'll finally release. Because we heard about, and, I'm, and I think we'll talk about it later, we heard about um, uh, Bill and Ted, for example. While that is definitely more indie film and, you know, it was a Kickstarter, I think, that pretty much kind of got its foot up and running. Um, it... Uh, it's coming out at home and in theaters pretty much day and date. Whereas with, with Tenet, just like we reported last week, they're kind of watching it as like a whole global event in the sense of, okay, well, if this area of the world is ready to release, then we'll release it then. And I think that if Tenet follows suit and maybe they wait about a month or a few weeks to see how successful it is, then I think other movies will then follow suit as well. But, oh boy, this, is, this, is, this was not a surprise. This was a total duh moment. I you, think Daniel? it's just I think it's just nice to see that like I think people are just more relieved at this point too because this movie has like a huge I don't want to say animosity behind it but it's like there's a lot of it's just like infamous now where it's <laughs> it's the it's the flagship movie of the year and just like what Jay said people are looking to it to see what's happening with movie theaters and Unfortunately, this is the flag that Warner Brothers has to plant for this year. But you know, with this being released again, no, nothing surprising. I'm I'm happy to see that they just didn't put another date on it because it's just another poster that will be outdated and used in a meme <laughs> down the road for this movie. Another uh, um, New Mutants moment. New Mutants, you know, like gotta catch them all. All the seven yeah. or eight different release dates. Um, we're going to be talking a lot of. Rebecca Rubin's name on the show today just because she had the pleasure of writing all of these (laughs) delayed movie stories that we'll be reading but uh, no I'm just glad that it's off the schedule and I know Warner Brothers may experiment with releasing it in Europe or releasing it in different countries that the coronavirus cases are going lower but who knows at this point I don't think it's a safe thing to do until it's safe I, I don't think it's a wise thing to do until it's safe I should say but We'll see what happens. Honestly, it's there's no surprises here. Mm-hmm. If it were to come out in Europe, do you think it would make a good enough money to, you know, appease you know the producers and the executives who made this film for the time being? No. It will. It will make money, but it won't. It won't make anywhere near the amount of money that it could make if in like in a healthier in normal, world. normal world. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, Daniel. And we've heard from Christopher Nolan that he, his intentions were to support all theaters, especially in the Americas because of, because it's, that's where this movie is, you know, was made. And a lot of it is, you know, American crew and it was designed for that market. Um, when do you expect this movie to show up on the big screen? Um, 
I don't know. Like I, I think like with Tenet and like Nolan's movies, they, they have a very like worldwide appeal. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, will we? I could see this being like a weird one. Like, oh, it's being released in France, but <laughs> I don't like. I like it's going to be something random like that. I don't know. Like, I feel like Warner Brothers at this point may just be like, hey, you know what? We're going to release it next summer. We'll see you in 2021. And I think that's probably the smartest thing to do because if we look at Warner Brothers' schedule right now for the year, the only things left for Warner Brothers right now that are still scheduled for their dates is Wonder Woman in October and Dune in December. So I could see them delaying Tenet till next summer since they don't have a, a flagship movie really next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, now that Batman has been pushed and they have Suicide Squad, I guess later in in, in August. But yeah, I could see them pushing until next year. Well, let's move on to some more delays, and this is coming again from Rebecca Rubin of Variety. Mulan release date postponed indefinitely amid the coronavirus spike. So Disney has pulled Mulan from the studio's release calendar as cases of coronavirus continues to rise across the the country and new outbreaks royal major foreign markets. Over the last few months, it's become clear that nothing can be set in stone when it comes to how we release films during this global health crisis. And today that means pausing our release plans for Mulan as we assess how we can most effectively bring this film to audiences around the world, a a Disney spokesperson said. This is the fourth big screen delay for Mulan. It was intentionally scheduled to, oh, sorry, intentionally. It was initially scheduled. To <laughs> We're intentionally putting it in March. <laughs> to debut on March 27th, but the film was pulled just before it planned release as coronavirus first began to spread in North America. Disney moved the film to July 24th and then to August 21st. So again, another delay. This one is actually one of the earliest delays because it was one of the movies that was um, supposed to come out back in March and then it was pushed back to July and then August. And now they just don't have a release date (laughs) anymore. Um, Daniel, what do you think? It's it's just so funny because again, like, this is this is just bringing me back all these months ago for when we first I remember when you and I were talking about No Time to Die being pushed Anthony and we we're just like but wait a second we have tickets for that already and we had tickets for Mulan as well and a Quiet Place Part 2 and we just ended up getting refunded by Cineplex for them but I think about that a lot the fact you that know, we have tickets the fact <laughs> we that we had, have tickets is we what had always gets tickets. me um so it's just it's just funny to see that you know this is this is happening. We we know it's what's happening. There's nothing more we can do about it. But uh, it is it is what it is, and we can't do anything about it. I wonder if you know these studios took a big stance on dis- and just in deciding to make these theater experiences. And I'm wondering what the continued delay of them are. They even remotely looking into the idea of releasing them to streaming or to video on demand um, first. I know it's not the most profitable way, but it's a nice way to get people to watch these movies and to talk about them. But I'll be honest, every movie that we've gotten as, as much as I've loved some of the movies that have been released to, directly to home, other than really Palm Springs, nothing has really stood out, s- stood out or satisfied my <clears throat> hunger for new movies so 
So, yeah. So question for you guys, if if realistically we're looking at um you know these companies these studios sorry waiting for the United States to kind of get to a more sustainable place when do, do you actually think that by next summer the United States is going to be okay? I mean they're no. still in wave 1. They're still in wave 1 right now. No. The reason why is we're heading we're going to go into the winter season. Exactly. And during the winter season, you know, you get sick and every time someone gets sick, yeah. sick they're going to have to like test themselves. Yeah. And it's just going to create more. It's just amplified. And amplified. And I was just, I was talking to my parents today. I'm like, you got to think we're going into the cold season. Yeah. The slightest cough, sore throat. Do I have COVID? Do I have this? And now you have to get tested, quarantine. Businesses are not gonna like just say you know okay you could come back to no you're gonna you're gonna take 14 days off and make sure that you're okay because we can't risk the infection mm-hmm. yeah um, so I don't think they'll be ready in the next summer I just don't I don't know I just because they're not even ready now like they're not ready the, <laughs> the, the, the and nothing against our, our American fans but it is absolutely the biggest clusterfuck I've ever seen oh, yeah. in the States. It's just like, like, it's just, I, it's ridiculous. It's like you can't, you don't even have words for it. You're like, yeah. you're literally stumbling to find the word to describe how poorly it's been handled. I think what's most upsetting too, is that, you know, we, when everything was kind of happening and the, we all kind of went to quarantine in March, you know, that's when we were at the most preventative for this disease. And to see the states only increasing in cases now in the last few weeks, that's what's most upsetting because we know how to prevent this. We know how to stop the spread of this yeah. or at least help stop the spread of this, but we're not taking the precautions that we need to. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things happening this year. It's an election year in the states. There's a lot of politics in play when there shouldn't be. Health should never be a political issue. No, it's um, just health. It's, you know, it's just common sense shouldn't be a political issue. Um, it's it's upsetting. So I don't know. It's easy to delay things till next year and to the years, um, years down the road, which will we will continue to talk about in these future stories. But you know, I remember clear as day talking on the sh- on this very podcast in May, saying, you know what, ten, it's two months away. Who knows where we'll be then? It's we're still two months away from it. We're still a month away from it. And now the release date of Tenet has come and gone, and we're not any closer to have, to be seeing this movie or to be seeing Mulan. Um, I think Tenet and Mulan were the big ones that people were kind of looking at to see what's going to happen with them, and it just it's just another because because they were kind of maintaining those summer release dates, but now it's just another kind of a movie off the checklist that we're just scratching out because you know what it's delayed. We know it's delayed, and now we just have to wait to, for them to tell us when we could watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I wish they were more transparent in how they communicate their these messages to their audience because it's like, yeah, they're indefinitely um, not coming out. Tenet, Mulan, and all these other movies. Um, I wish the studios were more transparent in the sense that, you know what, okay, what we'll do is release some of these on VOD. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah, don't even have to put them on their streaming service. Just make it available to rent. I know, and, but, but again, it's a lot. Of, it's a big loss, though. I know it it's really a big is. Loss. 
but That's I don't. A huge I don't think they'll be. I, I don't think at this time, if they're not releasing now, these these little productions or even bigger productions now, they won't release until either next year um, or have like a different uh, scope in the new year on what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's a shitty time, honestly. Like we're just we're just here waiting, and the slightest of the smallest of news makes us so excited that it makes us hungry for more news. When once we eventually get news on something, we consume it so fast that we're just waiting for the next thing now. And I think that's just mm-hmm. part of like the quarantine brains that we have right now that we're so starved for content that e- any time they even give us a little snippet of something, we're just makes us even hungrier for more. Right. Uh, let's move on to some more delays again this is coming from <laughs> God, Rebecca Rubin delayed movie podcast <laughs> delayed movie podcast uh, this is again coming from Rebecca Rubin of Variety Star Wars films Avatar sequels push back a year in Disney's release calendar shakeup. so audiences looking to escape from the relentless drumbeat of depressing headlines will have to wait a little longer to journey to Pandora or an even more famous galaxy far far away with coronavirus cases surging in the U.S. and new hotspots breaking out around the globe, Disney announced major changes to the studio's release calendar. Most notably, the epic shakeup of films, film debuts involves delaying its Star Wars movie and Avatar sequels by a year. So James Cameron's long-delayed sequels of, to Avatar will now premiere every other December starting in 2020 <laughs> as follows. So you guys, every audience paying attention, oh. Avatar 2 is coming out December 16th, 2022. Avatar 3, December 20, 2024. Avatar 4, December 18th, 2026. And Avatar 5, December 22nd, 2028. The second Avatar installment, which was originally aiming to open in 2014, will debut 13 years after the first release. Okay, let's pause My here. God. So I, we were talking about this in, in our chat this, this, this week, and, and I said to oh. the guys, man, we're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids before... Th- oh, I don't know about that part, but... Before, <laughs> before this movie is out... And I think, you know, I, I personally think James Cameron, even though he's like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we, I don't, I'm saddened that we have to delay these films and yada, yada. I think he likes it because it just gives him more time to make these movies because oh, he for sure. is synonymous with delaying his movies. Um, and this gives him more time to like figure it out. I hope yeah. he just doesn't like think of new technology then have to the re- do it all over again. Well, the reason why he's delaying them is because he has to now create the aging technology for most of these actors. Because by the time that the, this movie is coming out, they'll be way too old to be in the film. Like Sam Witherton is going to be like 63 and he's like, oh, I'm still a U.S. Army soldier. But it's like his, his New Zealand or Aussie accent is like slipping through it or the whole time. Man, that's crazy to think that by the time the fifth movie comes out, it'll be like 20 years later. I'll yeah, be 37. I'm, I'm going to have a cane. Years old. I'm oh, going to wow. walk with a cane in my hand. But you already walk with a cane, though. <laughs> Do I have uh, a, a furry jacket on? Uh, yeah, of course. Are you, are you huggy bears? Are you trying to say? <laughs> Question for you guys. Yeah. Do you guys think this is the last time Avatar movies will be delayed? No. No. Okay. Just making sure we're not no. all crazy. No. I, I, I've already booked a babysitter for 
you know, that day for my kids. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, already, to uh, be honest, the babysitter isn't even day. born yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My babysitter isn't born yet either. Actually. Right. <laughs> That's very true. Oh boy. Um, Meanwhile, a trio of star Wars movies will debut around Christmas every other year in, starting in 2023. The first of three films will launch on December 22nd, 2023 and two follow-ups will hit theaters December 19th, 2025 and December 20, uh, 17th, 2027. The studio has kept its cards close to its chest about what those films will entail. Interestingly, Thursday's release date shuffle didn't include The New Mutants, the superhero <laughs> thriller the studio initiate, uh, inherited from Fox. For now, the oft-delayed comic book adventure is still slated for release on August 28th, 2020, which we know that's not going to happen. Wes Anderson's uh, comedic drama, The French Dispatch, has also been removed from Disney's release calendar, while producer Guillermo del Toro's horror film, Antlers, has been postponed until February 19th, 2021. No surprises here. I mean, the nice thing about this is that these movies are already, like, we never, we didn't really know too much about them other than The French French Dispatch and New Mutants, obviously, but um, in relation to Star Wars, like, I don't think we'll feel this as much because we didn't know what these movies were. Mm-hmm. And it's also nice to have a break from star Wars. I think Disney has, has seen the reception, especially with the, the rise of Skywalker and they're hopefully taking it to heart and they're putting the right creative people in play now to take this series further and into the 2020s and to know that there's going to be at least four years now in between star Wars movies, obviously we'll have TV shows to pad that out, but uh, I'm glad they're taking a break and alternating years with it. So it's not going to mm-hmm. be Star Wars every single year. Um, new Mutants. New Mutants, New sure. Mutants, New Mutants. What? What? <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. We'll get to that. Question for you guys. Do you think that, uh, just going back to the Avatar ones, do you think that these will be his last movies? Because he'll, be he'll be about 73, 74 years old. Uh, by the time these films come out, and Cameron? I mean, yeah, Cameron. Holy Mac, yeah, he'll, like his he'll last be, directed movies. Yeah, he'll be really, really old by the time these films come out. And I mean, uh, the only like really old directors that I still know kind of out there are um, Scott and uh, Mr. Eastwood. Uh, but yeah, man, seventy. Like Ridley, are you saying Ridley Scott? No, I meant Scott uh, Scott Eastwood. No, I'm kidding. Yes, of course, Ridley Scott. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Scott, really Scott and uh, Clint Eastwood. They're probably the only old, old directors that I still know kind of out there trying to churn out films. How old is George like, Miller? 75. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, he also does a movie once every 40 years. So, yeah. And Scorsese. <laughs> Scorsese, oh, yeah. too, yeah. A, I guess there's a bunch, but I mean, in, in the sense of like, in there, like, <laughs> like, he'll be in his late. And like, knowing how Cameron's, you know, shooting style and direction is. Yeah, Man, and also like, taking long pauses between movies, right? Yeah, like, do you think this is it for him then? Well, if he's still no. alive, I don't think so. Okay. I think he'll. I think he'll be. I think he'll honestly try and. I mean, who knows where we'll be in eight years from now? But whatever the technology they're going to be using by the time Avatar Two comes out to Avatar Five, I think there's going to be some crazy leaps in technology, and maybe Cameron will be spearheading. Some type of new interactive way of watching movies. Who knows? But or staying alive, you know, like, like the BG said, he can compose like <laughs> some sort of James Cameron antidote to become super young again. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anthony, right. keep, give, Anthony, give us more bad news, please. <laughs> more bad news. Uh, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, a historic epic starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, was originally scheduled for limited release on Christmas 2020 and, well, and will instead open nationwide on October 15th, 2021. The film had been seen as a potential Oscar contender. Disney hasn't entirely removed films out of 2020. Kenneth Branagh's murder mystery, Death on the Nile, has been shifted back two weeks to October 23rd, 2020. Later in the year, supernatural horror film The Empty Man will release on December 4th, 2020. As it still stands, Marvel's Black Widow is set for November 6th, 2020. Pixar's animated Soul will launch on November 2020. Ryan Reynolds' action-adventure Free Guy is scheduled for December 11th, 2020. And Steven Spielberg, good old Spielberg's (laughs) West Side Story remake will premiere December 18th, 2020. Wow. I don't think we'll see coming out. I don't think I don't. There no, will not, I don't, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. There won't be an Oscars for next year. There just can't, uh, there can't be, can't be an Oscars. Can't. I don't see like, even with the delayed date of the Oscars, I don't see what movies are going to be. Who's going to win best released. visual effects. Sound editing. Uh, the invisible man. Bad Boys this, this, for Life. Bad Boys for Life and Invisible Man are walking out. And Sonic is winning Best Animated Film. Oh, 100%. Uh, even though it has got live action components to it. <laughs> no. but, but they couldn't find anything else. Uh, Pixar's Onward will win Best Animated Picture. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I'd give it a Sonic. That was stuff. this year. That was this year. It feels like it feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Um, oh, boy. Was that our last film? That was our last movie we went to watch, the right? la- that the last movie we saw, yeah. the, that we saw together, yeah. Wow. And it yeah. came out like two weeks later on Disney Plus. Uh, on Disney Plus, yep. <sighs> okay. what, a, what, a, what a time to be alive. Continue with the news. <laughs> Guess what I have for you? Spider-Man what? from Home sequel delayed. Oh my God. From Adam Bankhurst of IGN. <laughs> Sony Pictures has announced that Spider-Man Far From Home sequel has been delayed from November 5th, 2021 to December 17th. 2021 the still untitled spider-man far from home sequel was originally set to be released in theaters on july 16th 2021 and tom holland was set to first shoot uncharted before once again becoming peter parker production on the uncharted film in which holland will play nathan drake has not yet begun but a sony representative has confirmed that preparations are underway and they are hoping to start soon luckily only six weeks so hopefully uh hopefully this is where it stays but yeah i I hope it's like i hope it's like a christmas themed or like a a winter based spider-man movie because like seeing spider-man like swing around in the snow would be so cool and Mm -hmm. you could call it something like cheesy like spider-man home for christmas or home for the holidays or something like that Mm -hmm. and keep that preserve that home in the title but we shall see some of the best stories actually in the spider-man comic universe takes place during the wintertime Moving on to some good news, Zack Snyder pulls back curtain on his Justice League cut and reveals black suit Superman. And this is coming from Richard Newby of The Hollywood Reporter. JusticeCon, which runs through Sunday, brings together fans, cast, and crew members, Snyder's Justice League and charitable organizations, Inc. to the People, and the American Foundations of Society Prevention for a series of live panels dedicated to the release of the Snyder Cut and its charity affiliates. Snyder 
reiterated the charitable work was more important than any film, and it was that aspect of the Snyder Cut movement he found most inspiring. As for the film itself, Snyder said he was in the process of working on restoring the aspect ratio of the film back to its full frame, IMAX cut that he originally intended, and he also revealed that he's been collaborating with composer Junkie XL as they complete the score alongside the film's additional footage. In terms of the length of his Justice League, Snyder said that he couldn't reveal whether or not Justice League would be a film or split up into a miniseries, but did say that the full runtime would be over 214 minutes. Snyder heralded HBO's Max for being amazing and so supportive during this process. The filmmaker said he'd be happy with either a long-running film or miniseries, saying it wasn't a compromise either way, but that he was particularly intrigued by the miniseries format. So what do you guys think about the new Snyder Cut info? We'll start off with you, Daniel. I'm so relieved to see that Junkie XL is coming back to complete the score. You know, I went off in our Justice League Snyder Cut episode as did like Shay and, and with you, Anthony, about how much I dislike Danny Elfman's score for Justice League. And I'm really happy to see that, you know, Snyder's working on it. He's restoring the uh imax cut that he originally intended and uh it really makes me think how much of the movie was reshot and i know we're going to get to that but like i was watching a lot of the like different <laughs> i was watching a lot of like comparison videos today on the movie and just i was reading the original statement that warner brothers put out and snyder cut out uh, put out about joss coming on to take over and it was very much them saying, you know what? Joss is coming in just to finish the vision that Zach intended. But based on this movie, yeah, that's not the case. it was not the case at all. Um, but I'm really curious to see, like, do you guys have a preference if you want a movie or if you want a TV show? Do you have a preference, Anthony? I would love a TV series, like a, like a limited series, just because it's such a complicated story that you're trying to tell in such a short time having these breaks actually help uh progress the storyline um but yeah i would rather see it in a tv type like a limited movie series like you would see on hbo right um but yeah it's interesting though because you think about that and you know a lot of tv shows are written to have those those arcs over an episode and like to end at a certain spot. So I'm just curious to see how they could pull that off in a movie. Uh, but how about you, Shay? Do you have a preference of what you would rather see a, a movie or a show? Yeah, I think uh, the traditionalist in me would want to see uh, a movie because, you know, that's what I imagine these characters kind of going through and, and to see like a, an opening title sequence followed by credits at the end or like a cliffhanger at the end of each episode um, would almost throw me off. But I can totally understand why it would be a miniseries because there's so much to tell. And I'm sure that, you know, now that Zach has the kind of this, this luxury of time, he can kind of add more and refine it further. So yeah, for the sense of wanting more, I'll take the miniseries, but I guess I just I I love that it would be a movie, but yeah, I'll, whatever whatever happens, I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> as long as we get to see it, mm-hmm. yes. 
Snyder also admitted that he still hasn't seen the theatrical cut of Justice League and won't, while also reassuring fans that none of Whedon's Justice League filmed reshoots would appear in his cut. I would set the movie on fire. I'd destroy it before I used a single frame that I did not photograph. That's Snyder's... Why do you say like the military <laughs> officer from like 1983? Like, I, don't know, I was man. like, damn, is, is Zack is Snyder here? Did he, did he call it for the show? You Zach, you're on line one. So how do you guys feel oh, about uh, Zach's um, Joss comments? Uh, Shay, I'll let you start with this one. Um, you know what, man? I, I, I like internally clapped when I read it because it, it was great. Like what we saw, Whedon's cuts, they're so blatantly obvious and very awful. And you know what? I, I, I hate hating on Joss Whedon because I mean, the guy's been through a lot and he's been through, you know, he still made Avengers and he still <clears throat> spearheaded all of that. So, you know, good for him. But what he tried to do with this film just was not it. And uh, maybe it was the pressure of Warner Brothers, so I, I put most of the blame on that old, you know, team that was behind that. For sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, I loved Snyder's comments. I'm, I'm really glad he's going to use not a single frame. Yeah, and also like obviously too, like we've been hearing a lot of. There's been a lot of Joss Whedon in the news with uh, like Ray Fisher's comments on kind of mm. like the abuse on set and things like that. And yeah. Uh, it's it's a really weird thing. I don't th- I don't see this as a slight to Joss Whedon at all. I see this more as Zach just wanting to complete his vision of a movie, and you know, as a as somebody who loves movies and wants to make movies, like I would feel the same way. Like I would want to have my vision completed rather than try and piece together somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And this was a big question that we had too back in April. Was it April that we were talking about this? Yeah, I think back, back, whatever years ago that we were talking about the slander cut, would Zach use any footage that Josh, that Joss shot? And now we have our answer, and it really makes me wonder how much of this movie was reshot for whatever we saw in 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like that's it's just crazy to me to think that they literally made a completely different movie back like in and once snyder left to for a november release like it's i don't even know what to expect next year at this movie i'll be honest like i don't even know what we're going to be watching how is how is it going to be even how close of a movie is it going to be to what we got three years ago well we'll know that the justice league will be there we'll know that the villain dark seed will be there um Dark like, side, man. Don't can't drop the dark seed on us, you know. I, I, yeah, I that's not scary. I I call him dark seed. That's how Italians pronounce it. <laughs> A dark uh, seed. You also have you know Lex Luthor and God knows what else footage, you know, they have. It's probably going to be a completely new version of this film. A re yeah. like I don't even, can you even call it a reimagining? of the movie <laughs> the original the, imagining the, ori- the original imagining of the movie um, it's 214 minutes and the original movie was 120 minutes with most of that being reshot by joss what's 214 so, minutes in hours that's like two and a half hours or, right. or, or sorry three and a half hours wow um 
Snyder also shared a new uh, official Justice League sneak peek during the panel chat on Saturday and gave us a full view of Cavill as Superman walking and talking in his iconic black suit. The clip begins with the camera zoomed in tight on a tumbler of whiskey before cutting to Alfred's face and then the stunning reveal of Superman all in black. It was a quick little sequence, um, but fans got to see Henry Cavill in the black suit Superman. Um, what did you guys, or we'll start with, with Daniel. How did you feel when you saw Cavill in the black suit? Oh, man, it was cool. Honestly, again, I have no idea about the quality of this movie, what it's going to be by the time we see it. But I'm just more happy to, that we're finally going to see the original vision that Snyder had, regardless if it's going to be great or not. Seeing Cavill as Superman is always a nice thing. And seeing him in the black suit, which was, you know, it was like a fan rumor for so long. And to kind of see it finally um, proper was a, was a really cool thing. And to see it in motion. And it just, it just made me so excited to see what's going to come next month at DC Fandom. Because that's where that's where um, Zach's going to reveal if this is going to be a movie or a TV show, and we're going to get an actual proper trailer for this thing. So uh, I can't wait to talk about all of that stuff with you guys. But it was just so cool to see because mm-hmm. it felt for the first time like a sequel to Batman versus Superman. Also, just seeing um, Mr. Cavill without the hideous mustache kind of look oh, on his face. God was definitely very comforting just to see him like, oh, that's what his lip looks like. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I was watching, uh, I watched the beginning of Batman versus Superman this morning. And mm-hmm. then I was watching, as I said, I was watching some comparison videos on YouTube. And just that opening scene in Justice League that we, we kind of tore to shreds on our Snyder Cut episode where he's like talking like, you know, uh, peace is, is like a river. It winds. And then you just see his god-awful, like, melting lip mm-hmm. in CG. It's just, it's it's crazy. So I'm yeah. just so happy to see a movie without any of that. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Anthony? What did you think? It was good. It was it was such a, it was a, it was a small sneak peek. Um it's cool to see uh, Superman in the black suit, um, but I am looking forward to Snyder's ver- Snyder's original cut to this movie and how how his his original idea was supposed to come forth rather than you know Whedon's tragic destruction of that <laughs> film. Yeah, and also Warner Brothers. Let's we we got to blame Warner Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, but like I feel like Joss Whedon is just I don't know. Like that guy is not a good guy. I don't know. There's there's a lot that I think is still to come from a lot of the stories that we've been hearing and things like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, let's move on to some Vanilla Ice news. Dave Frank finally. Dave Frank will play Vanilla Ice in the upcoming biopic. And this is coming from Jason. I'm gonna, I'm, bear with me. I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. Gracio. Gracio, I think. Gracio of The Insider. So Dave Franco is currently preparing for the most high profile role yet of his career. 1990 rapper Vanilla Ice. Franco spoke publicly about the role for the first time in a profile story with Insider for his upcoming directo- directorial debut, The Rental, available on demand and on 
at Select Drive-In Theaters on Friday. We have been in development for a while, but we are in itching closer to close, closer to per, uh, pre-production, Franco said, of the Vanilla Ice movie, to the extreme. That's what it's going to be called, which is also the title of Vanilla Ice's hit 1990 album, which follows Vanilla Ice, whose real name is Rob Van Winkle, from high school dropout, selling cars in Dallas, to having his first hip-hop single to top the Billboard charts with Ice Ice Baby and the struggles with stardom, extortion attempts, and selling out as he makes music history. Franco said that he envisions the project to be like the disaster artist. With that movie, people expected us to make a broad comedy where we make fun of Tommy Wiseau, but the more real we played it, the funnier and heartfelt it was. That's the tone we want for this one as well, said Franco. So, uh, Shay, you're a big fan of Vanilla Ice. Huge fan. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Dave Franco playing Vanilla Ice in the biopic? Uh, you know what? If, if this goes down the road of uh, you know exactly like how Disaster Artist went, then I am so here for it because that movie is hilarious. Um, I remember I, I once saw Vanilla Ice at uh, I went to a taping of this of this reality TV show in uh, reality show in Canada called Canada Sings. I don't know if it ever made like television or not, but uh, he was one of the judges on it. And I remember just thinking the whole time, like, this is kind of ironic. This is a show about like, you know, singers. And he just rapped that really one popular song. And uh, for the whole week, for some reason, I've been singing a rapping Ice Ice Baby. Totally unrelated, but it it just keeps coming to my mind. Uh, I love Dave Franco as well. I think he is so funny. He's, I think he's funnier than James Franco personally. Um, so I'm I'm here for I'm here for whatever he does because he just he absolutely kills me and and I think it's mostly because of how he was in 21 and 22 Jump Street like he was so funny in those movies so I'm here for this um, I feel like it'll be pretty low budget in the sense of you know who's gonna go see a Vanilla Ice movie uh, probably literally just in line like the Disaster Artist mm-hmm. Daniel and 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 yeah I think I think the comparison to the the Disaster Artist is is a great comparison because if it's that but with vanilla ice i'm down for it and, and just like what jay said i think um dave franco is great i think he's going to bring a lot to the role and i think they'll have a lot of fun with it and you know the 90s are such a, a fun time to be in um and you know vanilla ice is often like a punchline a lot of times in music but uh i hope this brings a lot of like humanity to him as well too like they did mm-hmm. with tommy uh was so we shall see and Dave Franco does look like Vanilla Ice. Like they have the same like boat, like facial structure. They look yeah. very similar. I'm I'm interested. I hope they do the scene where, and if you if you've listened or heard on the internet or watched documentaries, there is that infamous um, story about Vanilla Ice and Suge Knight and how he kind of like pulled him over the balcony. And Suge Knight was holding him by his legs while threatening to kill him. So, oh, um, great! I wonder if they'll put that in the movie as well. Hopefully the um, hopefully the Jim Carrey in Living Color skit as well, mm. where Jim Carrey is playing Vanilla Ice. Great so is skit. this is this the same universe as uh, Straight Outta Compton? Then, <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the rap it? universe. The West Dude, Coast I'm telling universe. you, man. 
I wish I wish they went forward with that. I wish they did it. Like I just wish they had Eminem in that in that world and like hey yo Dre. James yeah, Franco would have played Eminem then. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. Let's move on to new dates. Because all those other dates, that was just a tip. This is that, was just, yeah, that was just a tip of the iceberg. <laughs> you thought we were done? When did when did this news come out? This came out Thursday, Thursday or Friday. But yeah, a lot of a lot of news changed. Or a lot of movies changed. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, April 8th, 2022. Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's coming out on VOD, which is great. On September 1st, 2020. Top Gun Maverick. July 2nd, 2021, moving from December 2020. So that, that, that Christmas movie is now a summer movie. A it piece. was supposed to be, we would have seen it already this year if if this all didn't exactly, happen. Yeah. Uh, a Quiet Place Part 2, April 23rd, 2021, moving from September 2020. Again, another movie we would have seen this year, but now has pushed back to the following year. Another uh, one we had tickets for as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder... Before I go into the other ones, do these theaters have the actual like movie on hand? Uh, I don't. Maybe not yet. I don't think yet because I, I think the way it works is they get it, like they have it like I guess downloaded I from their system. I think it's a week before they come out, right? Yeah. Uh, also, it's weird because people have seen a Quiet Place Part Two. Yes. Um, so it's weird that like people saw it at. Um, I guess critics saw it, right? Yeah, and, they um, did. They did like a little screening. Yeah, so it's it's weird that like people have seen it now. They're not going to see it for another year yeah. or in a bit. Um, Conjuring, New York, yeah, New York City, yeah, New York City. People saw Con- Conjuring Three, June fourth, twenty twenty one, moving from September twenty twenty. Uh, Greenland, September twenty fifth, twenty twenty, European release in August, and Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four and Dune currently unaffected, but. They probably will be. <laughs> Stay I, tuned. I would say maybe Dune being just just keeping its spot until you know we head into the fall season. They'll probably then figure out if it'll, they'll keep it or not. Yeah, but yeah. Those are all the changes that's happened over the past week. Quite yeah. a bit. Oh, sorry for what I was saying before with the Quiet Place. So it had its world premiere. <laughs> that's that's what it was. It wasn't even a press screen. It was a world premiere. In March, in mm-hmm. March eighth, it happened in New York City, wow. and and then it got delayed. So it's just crazy. What a time to be alive, guys! Let's move on to trailers. 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 Good. So with Comic Con this week, we had quite a bit of trailers release. I'm going to go through the list, and then we're going to talk about the ones that we we uh, found really entertaining and important. Mm, So let's start off with, we got rogue new mutants plus opening scene. Bill and Ted face the music. Marvel's Hellstorm. fear. The walking dead season six, the walking dead season 10, the walking dead world beyond love, Lovecraft country, the boys season two truth seekers, star Trek, lower decks, utopia, his Dark Materials Season 2, Rick and Morty Season 5, Justice League Snyder Cut Clip, and World's Most Wanted. Those were the main trailers that came out this week. Shay, which trailer stood out to you the most? 
Uh, definitely the New Mutants one. Uh, if, we, if we're not counting the Justice League Snyder Cut clip, because that was like 14 seconds. Yeah. Uh, New Mutants definitely stood out to me the most. And uh, I think in terms of the worst trailer maybe that I saw was definitely Rogue. Yeah, it is bad. The Megan Fox, the Megan Fox one, right? Oh yeah, oh big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was an interesting week for trailers. You know, last week at com, sorry, last year at Comic Con, we had such mega hit trailers like It Chapter Two, Top Gun, uh, all of those kind of premiered last year. Um, this year, a, li- a little bit more lower key. Obviously, we had a huge presence of The Walking Dead. Um, the big one for me this week, though, Bill and Ted. Uh, face the music another had another really funny trailer the fact that it's coming to video on demand september 1st too was nice to see that you know what it is a smaller movie i think it will find its audience on home release too so it was good to see that and i think like you say new mutants i think had a good showing that trailer was really creepy but mm. i i also like that they poked fun at themselves at the end with uh how the like the release date like oh maybe 20 maybe august 28th fingers crossed or you know the the cast itself had a good time with like yeah we're going to be celebrating the 10-year reunion at the premiere of the movie as well (laughs) um yeah it looked interesting i just want to see this movie but uh otherwise yeah it was it was a solid week for trailers with a lot of looks at a, a lot of other i guess uh nerdy uh uh franchises which we all love so uh yeah I think New Mutants, I think, stood out the most for me this week, too. Yeah, a lot of TV trailers. Not We only had really one movie trailer out of that whole list. Yep. Yeah, they're all TV, TV-based TV content. Uh, for me, it was New Mutants. Um, the opening sequence or opening scene uh, just threw you into the movie and kind of like, man, I was really excited to watch this. I was like hoping that, you know, we would get this movie released vod but um yeah like, i definitely thought that they were hinting towards that like yes. it's just the way they it kept going i was like oh buddy they're gonna say it's available now yeah it's such a tease because now you're you want to watch it but you know you're not gonna watch it and it's <laughs> yeah it, it's like why are you doing this mm. um i even asked you guys what do you think is causing the destruction in that um opening sequence because it's uh, it looks like pandemonium happening in a, a little town and it's taking place in the wintertime. It looks like, you know, a place where there's not a lot of homes, a lot of forests. I was thinking maybe it was the Wendigo, which is a Marvel yeah. character, kind of looks like a werewolf human being that's destroying things. So I wonder if, what, what, are your, what are your takes on who or what was causing that destruction in the beginning? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, it looked like some type of giant, monster creature but is that creature related to somebody like you were saying anthony or is it something that maybe one of the the i guess mutants themselves are maybe like creating or projecting out and kind of destroying the village with Mm -hmm. uh it has like i wasn't prepared for like the serious horror kind of imagery that we'd be getting in this trailer too i'm like there's some like really startling looking stuff in this trailer but yeah i i think they'll I don't know how deep into the lore of like X-Men and stuff they'll go into it, but I think we'll see a lot of destruction, self-caused destruction from the mutant characters in it. Shay, do you have any like insight on what you think was causing that destruction? 
I'm not very well versed with the, the New Mutants saga or just their lineage. So uh, from what I kept hearing them say, it's it's a bear character. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what, what the... It's a bear. About. It's a regular bear. I believe it's, it's a, regular, I believe it's a Van, Vancouver black bear, I believe, you know? <laughs> It's not. It's um, not that. It's not that difficult to kill. But for some reason, they take the whole film to kill him. Yeah, I was also excited to see Rick and Morty, even though it was rough sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that they're coming back for a season five very soon. Um, they they had some pop culture things that I found, you know, laughable with the Blade, the universe of Blades, where they play different. They play the character Blade, <laughs> and they have to fa- fight vampires. It's just. It's just a good show and. You know, you guys don't like it, so. Oh, maybe you know what I was thinking about today. I'll watch another episode. Yeah, I know, but like you're gonna watch the early episodes, and you're gonna be like, oh, they <laughs> like it, but like, it gets better every well, season. Why there's so conti- so many contingencies on having to like Rick and Morty? It's like, yeah, but it's an early episode. It's so. like watching yeah, but you watch episode one. I open. You know, the first episode is like, uh, and then the second, and then the whole, and then at the end of it, you're like, oh, this is good, and then the second year and third year gets better and better. Okay, all right. Rick and um, Morty is the same as Breaking Bad. It is. You heard it here it first. Um, <laughs> out this week, we have James no, James Franco, Dave Franco's The Rental, <laughs> which I don't remember seeing the trailer for, but I recently watched the trailer and I'm like, man, this looks like a really good movie. Do you do you guys have you guys seen this trailer? No, I think just the poster. Oh, yeah, I, I the rental trailer, man. Like I'm trying to think. I don't I remember like talking sp- about maybe it. Maybe we spoke about it maybe a few weeks ago. I don't know. So the premise is two couples on a Oceanside getaway grow suspicious that the host of their seemingly perfect rental house may be spying on them. Before long, what should have been a celebra- celebratory weekend trip turns into something far more sinister. And it stars Shay's favorite, Dan Stevens, Daniel's favorite, Allison Brie, <laughs> and the other two, I don't think you know. But um, I feel like I feel like I love Allison Brie more, though. But I mean, either or, they're I, both great. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds sounds a little possessive now. It sounds like yeah. it's like it's not a contest. You, Daniel, you I mean, you always talk I about do. Brie, and she always <laughs> Brie cheese. She's always talking about Brie cheese. cheese. Exactly. Yeah, talking about Brie cheese. Um, Daniel was talking about Dan. Yeah, Dan, Daniel Baptista, who's on the podcast with us today. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to watching this because it looks like a horror film. Um, and it's, I'm, I wonder how well it was made, especially because it's a Franco film, a day Franco film. So, uh, let's move on to what we're watching. We're going to start off with Shane, work our way up. How, oh. What have you been watching? So, Shane? Am I, am I at the bottom? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. You're just trash. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so this week I watched uh, airplane. It's uh, one of my favorite comedies. I, I end up watching it probably like once a year or maybe sometimes even more. And uh, my girlfriend had never seen it. So we decided to put it on and give it a watch. And honestly, that film is so funny. It's uh, it's just the right amount of comedy. And, and there's so many quotable lines from it, you know, like don't call me Shirley and, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, in, his, in, in the movie as well. Really, really good film. Uh, <clears throat> Anthony, you were, you were talking to us about Fear City, the New York uh, versus the mafia. And I, and I put on the first two episodes and um, what, what I, what I think Netflix does a really good job of is, you know, they, they're definitely trying to come, and become one of the best streaming platforms ever. And they, and they probably do have that title already because there's not that much competition yet. But in terms of 
their content, their original content, while their movies aren't hitting it, their TV shows are getting there. At least Netflix's documentaries, they're, they're of a amazing caliber and quality. Um, while they're not HBO level yet, they're the closest thing to that HBO level. So if there's one thing that Netflix originals are doing right, it's definitely their documentaries. And I think Fear City is, is, is definitely, I hope this becomes like a full, you know, anthology series of different, you know, moments in American history or wherever you want to kind of take it. But um, while, this one is shot really well and it's made really well. It, the The first half of each episode so far that I've seen is really good. But in the second half, it just kind of feels like it's dragging and they don't know when to end it. So I think it could have been a shorter series instead of the episodes that we're seeing. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, I also watched The Last Holiday with Queen Latifah and L. Cool J. Why I watched it? Well, it's a great question. <laughs> My mom wanted to watch it and I was like, yeah, sure, let's, let's watch it. I think she really enjoys that film, so... Um, it's, I don't remember it that well, but I remember when I watched it now, I was like, oh, this is a lot sadder than I remember it, it to be. It's more serious than comedy at most points. Um, but it was, it was a good film. And then, uh, I watched Sausage Party the other day just cause I hadn't seen it probably since the theaters. And, um, I, something about it was like, it was on sale. So I was like, I'll pick it up and watch it. And I think I enjoyed it more watching it at home because, uh, especially with everything that's been happening in the world, it, the movie is really dark, really meta, and, it, and the way it uses pop culture and movie references is so funny. Um, it's not a movie for everybody, but I something about it just absolutely cracks me up. Especially that ending sequence, I think. Uh, oh, boy. Watching, watching that movie in theaters, and obviously the whole movie is... is uh, is something it's 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 a movie designed to make you uncomfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. in the in the most weird ways but then obviously that ending sequence i think people just really yeah, freaked out at yeah have you seen it anthony yeah i have seen it i think i've seen it twice nice um just because i, I remember watching it in theaters and then i watched it at home and yeah man it's a good comedy it is um it's just like too raunchy myself it's very it's very raunchy and she's like this is food and <laughs> i don't want to think about that when i'm eating my food uh but yeah it's, it's very pixar right at the end of the day like does our food have feelings can they fuck <laughs> uh daniel what have you been watching uh so i took uh on your recommendation and i've been having this in my watch list forever perry mason so i watched the first episode of perry mason uh i really enjoyed it it was i wasn't expecting it to be so dark and like sinister um but it was uh it was a really well done show i love the time period that it's taking place in and i'm excited to uh continue watching the series so i'm going to catch up today hopefully uh i weirdly was in an X-Men mood. I know uh, the first X-Men movie just celebrated 20 years. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, let me put on the first one while I was just kind of falling asleep. And I ended up just kind of watching it and be like, damn, like this is, this movie is such a movie. Uh, it's like such a year 2000 movie. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, in, the, in the most ways. And obviously it had, uh, we were talking about Joss Whedon earlier and he had some Joss Whedon uh, uh, rewrites in there for sure. Um, Do you know what happens to a toe when it's struck by lightning, Daniel? <laughs> Do you know? 
same thing as everything else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's funny with that line. You know, it was supposed to be like a reoccurring line that I guess mm-hmm. uh, was said in the movie, and then because it got kind of cut down so much by the studio that it just plays like a really weird and stupid joke. After that, I started watching Step Brothers. Uh, I know Anthony's favorite movie of all time, just because uh, it's the last I don't know. Is the last time he laughed was in two thousand eight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's a great time watching the movies. It's so funny, and uh, I haven't I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, so it was uh, good to go back and watch it. I randomly put on The Martian. Uh, I, I was listening to some David Bowie the other night, and I like they have such a great song "Starman" in that uh, movie. So I put it on, and what a great movie! Honestly, I think that's one of Ridley Scott's best films. And you look at the cast of that movie too; it's like you forget how stacked of a cast it is. It's like. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Kate Mara, uh, Chidi Woodhull, Idio 4, Jeff Daniels, Donald Glover, Sebastian Stan, Kristen Wiig, Michael Pena, Mackenzie Davis, Sean Bean, Benedict Wong. Like, you have such a crazy cast of people in this movie. And Sean have- Bean makes it to the end. He makes it to the end. And it's just <laughs> funny, like, they even have like, the Lord of the Rings joke in there, with, like the, yes. the Council of Elrond. And it just it's just funny that, like, these characters don't have giant, all of them don't have, like, giant roles in the movie. But the, all the roles are played so well, and I'm like, damn, this was this was a great movie. It makes it it makes you feel like this is something that actually happens, which uh, which I really dig. I'm like, oh, this Mark Watney guy, he was a real astronaut who got stuck on Mars, right? <laughs> it, feels like like, it feels like the most non Ridley Scott movie, hundred percent. And I think too, like, because it was written by Drew Goddard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you have a you have a a different writer in there as well too. I think, uh, you know, he obviously did. Um, Cloverfield and he did uh World War Z and he was the, the, the Daredevil series as well too. So he's done a, he's done a lot in in uh, sci-fi and kind of like the comic world. So yeah, I thought it was a such a well-made movie. And, and I just been continuing watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine just because it's a it's a fun show to watch and just uh just something easy to put on when you're just hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a good week. Uh how about you Anthony? What have you been watching? Um, I started the week off with Jurassic World. So last week I watched uh, The Lost World. So I put on the Jurassic World. I skipped three. Are you skipping every film? Is that what you're doing? Damn, you well, skipped three, eh? I'm putting in four. I'm watching, I'm watching films that like part of the Jurassic Universe type of thing. I don't think three is as close to the Jurassic Universe as one, two, and this last one. Or not the last one, but the the, the remake or the world version of it. Three definitely feels like a spinoff for sure. Yes. Yeah, it does. I, I weirdly enjoyed three though. Me I too. Think three has some good moments. Me too. And I might watch three um, this week, but I just want to, I, I also wanted to compare what these dinosaurs look like back in, you know, when was it? 96. It came out with the lost world. I think it was in 97, 96 or 97. Like, yeah. Um, and nine dress for lost worlds. Yeah. Though I think it was 97. Yeah. Yeah. 97. And then just seeing what it looks like now because of how like technology has changed, especially with CG uh, and and what stories they can really tell with these dinosaurs. Um, I also put on Altered Carbon season two. So I watched season one a while ago. This is season two. Interesting story. Uh, this, this season, Anthony Mackie plays the character um, of, uh, what's his name? What's his name? His name is Takeshi Kovacs. Which is um, set in a cyberpunk universe where he's the last envoy. We'll call him like the 
he's like a clairvoyant assassin. Um, but yeah, liking it so far. Interesting story. You got to really like pay attention to what's happening. Uh, really, really read into um, the storyline because it is a very complicated one. I also okay. put on Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. Um, on the same boat as Shay. It starts off really well, but then it gets really boring really quickly. And it's like, oh, these are the stories I've... And if you ever watched Mafia shows before, you kind of have that same storyline. You know, the 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 Gambinos, the Genoveses, the, the Gaudis, and all that. And they just, again, they tell you a little bit more detail of those characters and those people living in um, New York during the 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, so I, if you're really interested in a Mafia uh, limited series, docu-series, uh, go ahead and watch it. I also put on Crawl because I've never seen it. And I was looking for... What do you think? Interesting. It, it was an interesting film. Um, man, these alligators were out to eat people. <laughs> I'm like, how many? I was watching these alligators just eat humans, and I was thinking, how many humans do they really need to eat? Um, great concept. Uh, Barry Pepper was, uh, was a sight for sore eyes because I haven't seen him pl- in a lot of movies since um, his, like, I would say his introduction to Hollywood back in the 2000s, um, early or late 90s. I think last time I saw him was maybe seven pounds. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And he's a really good actor, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I like Crawl. Uh, Set in Florida. Why not? Florida's always with their gators and their, you know, COVID and hurricanes. Oh, gosh. but yeah, it was, a, it was interesting. I would, if you have Amazon Prime, go ahead, put it on. If you want to see like a monster, like animal type of movie, it's a great film. And then I watched um, Comic-Con panels, specifically the ones for Mondo, because I was interested to see what, um, you know, what these artists are going through during the pandemic. And um, you learn a lot about, you know, how they're they're dealing with having no work to to make and doing a lot of more personal stuff for themselves mm-hmm. um and how a lot of like their their clientele has kind of like not say uh left them high and dry in a sense but like just you know there's just no work for them to make uh these posters because there's no movies to promote and there's no advertising on these movies to promote so a lot of their work which is like commercial advertising as well as um, doing these screen prints for for movies, it's non-existent because there's nothing to advertise. Um, so learned a little bit about it. Um, also watched a, or seen a lot of cool things that Mondo is going to be coming out with. A um, couple of posters that I'm really interested in. They've announced an A24 collaboration, which I'm super psyched out, psyched about. Um, hopefully, they do like a, a hereditary or uh, a midsummer. Um, Mondo print. I would, which be, I would so pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it, really. And, and I played uh, Ghost of Tsushima and I finished. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I finished uh, Last of Us 2. I platinumed yes. that out. I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, me too. Ghost of Tsushima. Me too. 
It I was is, wondering. I'm like, I'm what else has been picking up my time this week? Yeah, I'm like, why did I watch? Why didn't I watch this much this week? Oh yeah, because Ghost of Tsushima. It has taken up all my time. What do you think of the story? I feel like the story is really like it doesn't have to be that it's, because there's so much story to it. It's not just the main storyline. It's all those off-world or side storylines to yeah to the Ghost of Tsushima. What's his his character's name? Is Jin. 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 Yeah, I'm re- I'm really enjoying it, but I think like you, Anthony, um, it is very heavy. I wish there was a bit more levity to it in some in some aspects of it, but also it's I get it's the time and he's a samurai. He has to be in his ways, but um, I'm just having a really good time just exploring the world and just hanging out, you know, on the island of Tsushima and just helping people out and being a badass samurai and a and a <laughs> and a ghost and just taking taking fools down, you know, taking heads. <laughs> Let's move on to our trivia question. Oh, oh boy, buddy. Trivia. So I was really <laughs> looking at the news and I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't really like find a trivia question related to delays because we've kind of like this is like the first year where the huge movie delays have ever occurred. So I kind of found a question on the black suit. Superman black suit. With okay, Zack okay. Snyder revealing footage of Superman in the iconic black suit, what is the main power of the black suit? Is it A, stronger superpowers, B, recovery powers, C, hype beast powers, or D, more sex appeal? <laughs> Did you just say hype beast powers? Hype beast powers. Because, you know, hype beasts <laughs> like the black and the silver and it's very happy <laughs> So I'm I'm gonna go with uh, with D uh, sex appeal. You're gonna go with D sex appeal, eh? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Oh, buddy, I've never been more sure in my life. Mm. And Daniel, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the recovery powers. Daniel, you are correct. Shay, you are uh, not. Uh, uh, sex yes. appeal lost me again. Worn in times where his power is weakened, the recovery suit grants some protection and absorbs solar energy to speed his regeneration. So that is why he wears the black suit. It's such a 90s looking thing too. Like the the black suit with the long hair and the mullet. All of that. The mullet. It's such a 90s look to him. Mm. Yeah. It's 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 an iconic Superman suit. He hasn't, I don't think he's worn it ever since, but it's because after his death in the comics, he wore this suit and everyone's like, whoa, he's he's wearing this black suit. Like, what does that do? It's just, oh, it just helps him recover faster. Yeah. Doesn't give him anything and the, else. And the death of Superman was such an iconic storyline too in the, in what, 93 when it happened. Um, and like him coming back in a black suit, it's like, oh, Superman's coming back, but now he's in a black suit. And like, what does this mean? Like it's. It's the resurrection, right? Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening, or thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been The Movie Podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every single week. And if you want to be part of the show and ask us some questions or give us some suggestions or correct our mistakes, please head over to thistimewith.com slash talk. And don't forget to check out our commentary tracks, our Black Lives Matter episode, our Zack Snyder Snyder Cut episode, our Kevin Lima episode, and all our past episodes that you maybe weren't part of in the beginning um listen to our archive as well as our last of us part two spoiler cast which we really really love doing 
That was this time with the movie podcast. And we will see you next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.